Next on a special Memorial Day edition of BYU Sports Nation, the head ball coaches in studio, Bronco Mendenhall of BYU Football and Dave Rose of Cougar Basketball. Plus, athletic director Tom Homel and new assistant hoops coach Quincy Lewis all coming up next. Get the barbecues ready. Hot dogs and burgers will be consumed in large portions, but not before BYUSN. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation airing in Radio Vision. Presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Monday, May 25th, wherever and however you are dialed in. Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with our resident barbecue specialist, Jerem Jordan. I just barely got a patio at my house and just barely got a barbecue like a week ago. So today's going to be fun. It's a fun day. It's, it, first and foremost, we need to observe those who have uh, you know, died in, in uh, service of our country. That's the point of the day. But I love the celebration of friendship uh, and the United States on this day. You spend time with family and friends. I love Memorial Day. It's a great day. And my daughter's birthday was yesterday, so that was awesome as well. Now, we, we tend to have a good time and obviously laugh a lot on this show. But uh, in a moment, as we step back, and these, these are the real heroes. Um, and we can sit here and laugh and relax because we don't have to worry about what they did. those things. Yeah, really cool. We appreciate so, that. Uh, a BYU Sports Nation salute to the real heroes uh, who have fallen and continue to serve our country. It is Memorial Day. We are here doing what we're doing, as Jerry mentioned, because of them. Uh, we're going to start off this special show loaded today with one of the head ball coaches, and we mentioned uh, what's coming up. Dave Rose joined us back on April 16th, and he has this crazy dynamic of having to, to manage a roster that is fluid, more fluid than any other in the entire country. How does he handle that? Dave Rose on BYU Sports Nation. In Studio B right now, BYU basketball head coach Dave Rose, fresh off an epic speaking performance at the BYU Basketball Banquet. <laughs> coach, you, you stole the show. Welcome back to Studio B. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about that. I think our, our seniors uh, were kind of the stars of the night. It was, a, it was a good night. Those banquets are always a little bit emotional, especially when you have a group of guys that were so uh, involved in the success of your season and the success of their careers. I mean, it was... It was awesome to hear, you know, Ty and Sky and Josh and um, uh, Anson, and then uh, Matt Freeman, our <laughs> esteemed manager, who's been with us forever. As he's moving on, so uh, there'll be a lot of a lot of new faces next year. You're trying to replace Mark Pope and Cody Figer right now. Uh, what kind of attributes are you looking for, especially in Mark Pope's assistant coach position? Well, I think the most important thing is. Uh, I've been here at BYU for 18 years, and I, I understand that there's a lot of qualified ath- applicants and, and a lot of people who would like to come and work with these guys. Uh, and I think right now it's it's really appealing because uh, of the the future of uh, the you know the next three or four years. It, it looks really good as far as our roster is concerned. Um, I think the most important thing here is to get someone who fits fits BYU and fits. Uh, um, you know, the, just our culture and what we like to do. And then experience is really key, experience in all different areas. Uh, our staff is really diverse, and we can we could go through and, and kind of align all kinds of assignments with any of the guys and make it work. But uh, the chemistry of our staff is key in these hires, and uh, we're going to miss these two guys. They were 
they were awesome. And then, uh, you know, Cody's getting a chance to be on the floor and move up in his career. And obviously Mark with a chance to, to have his own show. And, and it'll be fun to be able to have it so close and be able to kind of watch and monitor and see how he does. Are you still on pace to uh, replace his position by uh, the end of the month? Well, he, he, I'm on pace to replace it like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> okay. But uh, there's a procedure, and uh, the, the, as we go through that, um, hopefully that it can be, you know, as close to the, the first of the month as possible. I, I would anticipate now that we may even go a little bit further, maybe a week or two into May. But uh, we're excited to get guys here and get them started and get going. Procedures at BYU? What? <laughs> uh, next year without Tyler Hawes, and then you insert Kyle Davis, you hope Jamal Ates is healthy and, and all that. How does the dynamic of the offense specifically change next year? Well, the dynamics will be different because Ty has been so consistent for us for so many years. And uh, it'll be similar to when Lee Kamard left. And what do we, you know, how is that going to happen? Because Lee was a huge piece in that thing. And then Noah Hartsock, you know, and in his deal when Jimmer left, there, there's – that's the beauty of of you know the, this job is that you get a chance to to uh, to kind of change and work through and play through with different guys. We're really excited about our kids coming off missions. I think that that uh, you know Nick Emery and uh, Braden Shaw and uh, Jacob Hartsock, uh, Corey Calvert. Those are all guys that uh, can come in with real offensive abilities, and we'll see how they fit. But the returning guys. Jake Toulson is a guy that we didn't see a lot of on the floor this year, but is a really talented offensive player. Uh, you know, Kyle Davis can score. I think you're going to see Jamal and and, and uh, you know in, in his abilities. So it'll be you know the, the the most important thing is the chemistry and how you put it all together, and uh, that'll be kind of our challenge here in the next four or five months. And the biggest challenge right now will to be actually to put the roster together and see who you know who are the guys that. Uh, you know, are in, who are the guys that, you know, maybe uh, can see something different for themselves. We'll figure all that out here in the next month or so. So are you facing a situation uh, like this year in terms of another expanded roster? I think there were 18 guys on the roster at one point. Yeah, that that happened, uh, you know, basically, you know, not by design, okay? Uh, But with with Kyle's injury and his uncertainty, we kept a couple guys – uh, that, that that maybe in in the past you know we would have uh, been pretty sure about the minutes and how it was going to work and that became really uh, unpredictable and uh, and then late in the summer when we had some mission uh, decision changes and didn't want to lose those guys those guys are yeah. um, you know terrific players and they were slotted in for a couple of years down the road but we're able to get them in on this year's roster and so um, I would anticipate that the roster would be a lot shorter this year, but we'll see. You never know. Uh, you, you want your players uh, to get better in the offseason. How does a coach get better in the offseason? Well, I think that's a really good question. I think that's one of the things that uh, we do as a staff. I really believe that every day you kind of come in that office and you're, you're motivated by you know how you can you get better players. I mean, so that's a recruiting issue, and you're always out there. And then how you can get your players better, and that's a development effort, uh, issue. And then how you can get yourself in a better position to to be more prepared to coach your team. And that's you know all self development. What you do watching film, what you do with your own players, uh, reviewing things from last season, uh, and then uh, and then trying to you know where there's a lot of interaction with your staff, and trying to find 
what parts of this assignment are best for each person with this group of guys. And, and there'll be a lot of that this, this summer, especially with some new additions. And you consult with your wife, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, uh, how much will your summer, summer schedule be affected by the uh, renovations that are coming to the Marriott Center? Well, the the actual production, the work won't be affected at all. The guys will still have the time, and it just will be in a different location. The Marriott Center has been, uh, it is, and will continue to be, which is one of the beautiful things about this annex situation, is that that Marriott Center floor is still our primary floor, and uh, we'll get moved out for, for, but sometimes when you get, you know, a practice facility, that becomes your primary facility, and then, you know, you, you, your venue of where you play, you know, you, it's really hard to get in, but, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of put this together, so it's a, it's a two-court two court facility, one in the practice facility, one in the Marriott Center, and we'll just do a lot in Richards Building, a lot in the Fieldhouse. Scheduling will be really key, so our new D-Ops guy, that comes in, and it'll be really important to get him on board as quick as possible. Coach, great to have you. Make sure you have your wristband uh, when you, when you <laughs> yeah. head over to the yeah, one, one more summer of the wristband. <laughs> thanks for coming in studio, right. B, Coach. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. It's interesting that he talks so much about fit and the qualifications for the assistant. That was Quincy Lewis. We'll talk to him later on the show. You'll uh, see that interview. It's interesting how that lines up on this special holiday edition of BYU Sports Nation. Also, Bronco Mendenhall on the way. The second of the head ball coaches. This is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio and BYU TV. BYU Sports Nation brought to you by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Welcome back to Studio B on Memorial Day. Hope you're enjoying it with family and friends. And later on, some really delicious food alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. I'll consume at least four hamburgers today. Four? At least, yeah. Well, there's a couple of meals, man. That's true. Yeah. Wow, okay. One hot dog, man. Good for you. Some steak. <laughs> Bronco Mendenhall will consume some hamburgers as well, I'm guessing, on Memorial Day. Oh, yeah. At, I mean, that's how he rolls. He also likes to surf. How does that work? Anyway, Bronco joined us in Studio B to talk about the change that's going to happen in the dynamic of his defense. How much will it change with him taking back over? And I know he uses that phrase lightly. Nick Howell going back to uh, secondary coach. But how does the defense get better? Bronco Mendenhall in Studio B to address that and a few other tidbits. Here to decipher between the men and the boys is BYU head football coach Bronco Mendenhall, a.k.a. White Chocolate, back in Studio B. You stole so, the show. I'm so glad that you brought that up today. I just... You knew we'd lead with that. I, I absolutely did. I was actually looking at this, the BYU Sports Nation. What if... On my headset on game day, you know, the microphone. What if there's a little smaller version of that going right to the microphone? Or even a hashtag BYUSN. That'd be pretty sweet. Do, I, I'm serious about this. The the offensive play, play charts, like a picture of Spencer or something? Or the <laughs> I, I have the exact play. I have the exact play. Is it the rugby I, play? I, I have one actually for both of you. Really? Yeah. We usually don't work them, don't use them because they don't work. But mm-hmm. we, we have cards. We just, they don't work. Okay. We're going to look forward I'm to that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. How were how the Y Awards for you? I, I went actually just to be a spectator, and I think for the second year in a row now, there's some reason I'm up on stage. And, yeah, yeah. We, we unleashed the juvenile hijinks on you. You went after, though. I give you credit. You, you got called up there, and you embraced it. You had to. But there, yeah, so I, I bet they, everyone's been saying, man, I've been a good sport. Oh, it's on the thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> on the TV side right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I don't even know what to say about that. 
I know hashtag white chocolate. It, it yeah. was awesome. Yeah, hashtag <laughs> white chocolate. Okay, Bronco, uh, we promise that we'll talk about some football now. We won't talk about only oh, dancing. Oh, man. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, this has been uh, an, an offseason of change for you and yeah. football, taking over the defense uh, once again. And uh, we want to know what has been the biggest change since you made that decision to do that. Man, I don't know if there's been a, a biggest change. I think the, the most effective change is it's just allowed our, our assistant coaches to be completely freed up to work with their players. And without the responsibility of coordinating coaches, without the additional responsibility of possibly scheme or strategy or, or off-season research, they've been able to just really work with their players, which has been necessary. And so I've never really viewed this as it's me taking over the defense. What I've really viewed it as adding a resource and a structural change to, to get one more experienced coach with that group. And when what I underestimated is when I took myself out of that to become the head coach, that left four coaches, not five. And quite frankly, that's that was a, a big deal, especially with as many plays as we play now defensively with our offensive strategy. And um, it just that format, not necessarily personnel, the format really didn't fit so well. So... But it has been fun to be back with uh, the players uh, on a daily basis, and and uh, I like coaching defense, so that part's been good too. What difference have you seen on the field, off the field, with you inserted into that mix now? Mm, you know, I, I think there's always just when leadership changes, there's uh, a shift toward personality of the leader. And, and so I, I love guys exactly behind the line. I love guys finishing through lines exactly. I love the discipline part. I love the accountability part uh, a lot. And I love guys trying hard. And eventually they'll learn what to do. Um, but first of all, they have to actually be able just to take the field correctly. And so, yeah, I think it's been a change for them to have a focus on things that they might th- not think are football-related, but I think they're life-specific and I think they're culture-building. So I, I love that part of it. A couple of your loudest personalities uh, in hair and in clothing, Devon Blackman and Mitch Matthews, have brought up the culture change, uh, specifically with us on this show. They have oh. said, you know, things things just feel different. Mitch compared it to uh, how he felt in 2009 before mm. that team with Max Hall and Dennis Pitta mm. and Harvey Unga. How have you felt about the culture of this spring? I, I, think, it, I think it's been really strong, and I would I – would, um probably trace it to leadership and organization again um, and the people in the spot. So Frank Wintrick with our strength staff, that's been phenomenal in that culture. Um, Having Taysom back offensively, that's another strong leader there. Myself back defensively and then obviously Coach and I coming back. And so now if you think about uh, the leadership at each one of those spots, you really can't look to a particular place and say, man, I wish we had a guy there or there. So strength and conditioning right on, quarterback right on, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator right on. And it's actually lightened the load for Coach Papinga special teams-wise. So uh, I think when you put the culture and the leadership all together and then the people with it, I think that's why they are saying what they're saying. Pretty cool. Our Twitter question today is this. I want you, I want you yeah. to answer this too. Where do you hope BYU improved the most in spring ball? Yeah, um, th- we've already kind of addressed it. Um, last year's team gave a, a baseline of um, not nearly the discipline, not nearly the consistency, not nearly the maturity, and then the execution that was necessary in the critical moments to hold. And so, um, man, we've put them under a lot of pressure to be disciplined, to maintain their composure, um, to then hopefully have the execution be, um, uh, again, more consistent and the team mature. And so I think that's where we've made inroads. 
So along with the discipline that you, you just brought in, where do you feel like the defense needs to improve the most specifically to enjoy uh, what would be a success in, in your mind? Yeah, it, it's going to be consistency in the secondary. Um, we have new players uh, in the secondary, and so uh, losing Daniel Sorensen a couple of years ago, that was a hit. Now Craig Bills, that's another one. So really, if you look at the secondary, Kainakua Kai is coming back from really a starter from the Central Florida game on by default. And so he's maturing. Eric Takanaka right now is holding down the other spot as a brand-new junior college player. Uh, Mike Davis might be called on to be uh, a starter at corner now, which he was at times last year. And Micah Hanneman is a starter at the other corner right off a of mission. So there really is the potential of three, um, well, two part, part-time starters from a year ago and two new starters. And so that is the most volatile the position in terms of depth and um, experience. It's also the most volatile in terms of giving up points. So our, we're working around the clock, and that's another reason why I've inserted myself defensively is to give Coach Howell just every minute of every day working with that group. And so it's been the right fit, no question. And it's going to be all he can do, and he's doing a great job um, of just getting that group um, to where they're consistent, mature, and uh, they execute um, at a really high level. So if that's the most volatile, I guess, position yeah. group, what's the least volatile? D-line. D-line and, and front seven. So linebackers, they're, they're still not a ton of experience, but they're youthful and there's all kinds of talent. D-line is the kind of the grandfatherly group, and we already know that they'll be able to play and play really well. And so first, least volatile D-line, second, linebackers, third, um, in terms of consistency, is the secondary. Do you have an inside linebacker that can be that guy like we talked about on signing day? We'll, we'll see. Um, Austin Heater has done a really, really nice job of being that guy in terms of leadership and consistency through spring. Being able to make the dynamic plays and doing having the production to go with it, that remains to be seen. Um, Harvey Longy has not been in spring, but he probably has the ability to cover the field and do all that, adding the consistency. So you kind of, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then if you go to the Buck linebacker, Manoa Pakula, Jeremiah, um, those two guys, almost the same scenario as the Mike linebacker, the one inside backer that's emerging this spring that's been really, really a pleasant surprise is Philip Amone. Hmm. He, he can play. Um, and that's been really fun to see. Bronco Mendenhall, white chocolate, bringing the flavor <laughs> on a Friday. Bringing the flavor. Coach, we, we appreciate the time. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's interesting that on April 3rd, discipline and uh, leadership, huge themes of spring ball. BYU needs that against that 2015 schedule. Man, media day right around the corner. Less than a month. And then after that, game number one, not too far Let's away. Let's go. Let's go. Woo! Up next, the athletic director, Tom Holmo, recapping last year and looking forward to the possibilities for the Cougars in 2015. What are his expectations? BYU Sports Nation brought to you by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Welcome back to Studio B on Memorial Day. Hope you're enjoying it with family and friends. And later on, some really delicious food alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. I'll consume at least four hamburgers today. Four? At least, yeah. Well, there's a couple of meals, man. That's true. Yeah. Wow, okay. One hot dog, man. Good for you. Some steak. <laughs> <laughs> Bronco Mendenhall will consume some hamburgers as well, I'm guessing, on Memorial Day. Oh, yeah. At, I mean, that's how he rolls. He also likes to surf. How does that work? Anyway, Bronco joined us in Studio B to talk about 
the change that's going to happen in the dynamic of his defense, how much will it change with him taking back over? And I know he uses that phrase lightly. Nick Howell going back to uh, secondary coach. But how does the defense get better? Bronco Mendenhall in Studio B to address that and a few other tidbits. Here to decipher between the men and the boys is BYU head football coach Bronco Mendenhall, a.k.a. White chocolate back in Studio B. You stole I'm so, the show. I'm so glad that you brought that up today. I just... You knew we'd lead with that. <laughs> I, I absolutely did. I was actually looking at this, the BYU Sports Nation. What if on my headset on game day, you know, the microphone, what if there's a little smaller version of that going right to the microphone? Or even a hashtag BYUSN. That'd be pretty sweet. Do, I, I'm serious about this. The, the offensive play, play charts, like a picture of Spencer or something. Or the logo <laughs> I, I have the exact play. I have the exact play. Is it the rugby I, play? I, I have one actually for both of you. Really? Yeah. We usually don't work them, don't use them because they don't work. But we we have cards. We just, they don't work. Okay. We're going to look forward I'm to that. I'm just saying. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. How were how the Y Awards for you? I, I went actually just to be a spectator. And I think for the second year in a row now, there's some reason I'm up on stage. And yeah, yeah. We, we unleashed the juvenile hijinks on you. You went after, though. I give you credit. You, you got called up there, and you embraced it. You had to. But there, yeah, so I, I've been, they, everyone's been saying, man, I've been a good sport. Oh, it's on the thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's on the TV side right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I don't even know what to say about that. I know hashtag white chocolate. It, it yeah. was awesome. Yeah, hashtag white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bronco, uh, we promise that we'll talk about some football now. We won't talk about only oh, dancing. Oh, man. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, this has been uh, an, an offseason of change for you and yeah. football, taking over the defense uh, once again. And uh, we want to know what has been the biggest change since you made that decision to do that. Man, I don't know if there's been a, a biggest change. I think the, the most effective change is it's just allowed our, our assistant coaches to be completely freed up to work with their players. And without the responsibility of coordinating coaches, without the additional responsibility of possibly scheme or strategy or, or off-season research, they've been able to just really work with their players, which has been necessary. And so I've never really viewed this as it's me taking over the defense. What I've really viewed it as adding a resource and a structural change to, to get one more experienced coach with that group. And when what I underestimated is when I took myself out of that to become the head coach, that left four coaches, not five. And quite frankly, that's, that was a, a big deal, especially with as many plays as we play now defensively with our offensive strategy. And um, it just that format, not necessarily personnel, the format really didn't fit so well. So... But it has been fun to be back with uh, the players uh, on a daily basis, and and uh, I like coaching defense, so that part's been good too. What difference have you seen on the field, off the field, with you inserted into that mix now? Mm, you know, I, I think there's always just when leadership changes, there's uh, a shift toward personality of the leader. And, and so I, I love guys exactly behind the line. I love guys finishing through lines exactly. I love the discipline part. I love the accountability part uh, a lot. And I love guys trying hard. And eventually they'll learn what to do. Um, but first of all, they have to actually be able just to take the field correctly. And so, yeah, I think it's been a change for them to have a focus on things that they might th not think are football-related, but I think they're life-specific and I think they're culture-building. So 
I, I love that part of it. A couple of your loudest personalities uh, in hair and in clothing, Devon Blackman and Mitch <laughs> Matthews, have brought up the culture change, uh, specifically with us on this show. They have oh. said, you know, things things just feel different. Mitch compared it to uh, how he felt in 2009 before mm. that team with Max Hall and Dennis Pitta mm. and Harvey Unga. How have you felt about the culture of this spring? I, I think it, I think it's been really strong, and I would I would. Um probably trace it to leadership and organization again um, and the people in the spot. So Frank Wintrick with our strength staff, that's been phenomenal in that culture. Um, having Taysom back offensively, that's another strong leader there. Myself back defensively and then obviously Coach and I coming back. And so now if you think about uh, the leadership at each one of those spots, you really can't look to a particular place and say, man, I wish we had a guy there or there. So strength and conditioning right on, quarterback right on, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator right on. And it's actually lightened the load for Coach Papinga special teams-wise. So uh, I think when you put the culture and the leadership all together and then the people with it, I think that's why they are saying what they're saying. Pretty cool. Our Twitter question today is this. I want you, I want you to answer this too. Where do you hope BYU improved the most in spring ball? Yeah, um, th- we've already kind of addressed it. Um, last year's team gave a, a baseline of um, not nearly the discipline, not nearly the consistency, not nearly the maturity, and then the execution that was necessary in the critical moments to hold. And so, um, man, we've put them under a lot of pressure to be disciplined, to maintain their composure, um, to then hopefully have the execution be, um, uh, again, more consistent and the team mature. And so I think that's where we've made inroads. So along with the discipline that you, you just brought in, where do you feel like the defense needs to improve the most specifically to enjoy uh, what would be a success in, in your mind? Yeah, it, it's going to be consistency in the secondary. Um, we have new players uh, in the secondary. And so uh, losing Daniel Sorensen a couple of years ago, that was a hit. Now Craig Bills, that's another one. So really, if you look at the secondary, Kainakua Kai is coming back from really a starter from the Central Florida game on by default. And so he's maturing. Eric Takanaka right now is holding down the other spot as a brand-new junior college player. Uh, Mike Davis might be called on to be uh, a starter at corner now, which he was at times last year. And Micah Hanneman is a starter at the other corner right off a of mission. So there really is the potential of three, um, well, two part, part-time starters from a year ago and two new starters. And so that is the most volatile the position in terms of depth and um, experience. It's also the most volatile in terms of giving up points. So our we're working around the clock, and that's another reason why I've inserted myself defensively is to give Coach Howell just every minute of every day working with that group. And so it's been the right fit, no question. And it's going to be all he can do, and he's doing a great job um, of just getting that group um, to where they're consistent, mature, and uh, they execute um, at a really high level. So if that's the most volatile, I guess, position yep. group, what's the least volatile? D-line. D-line and, and front seven. So linebackers, they're, they're still not a ton of experience, but they're youthful and there's all kinds of talent. D-line is the kind of the grandfatherly group, and we already know that they'll be able to play and play really well. And so first, least volatile D-line. Second, linebackers. Third, um, in terms of consistency, is the secondary. Do you have an inside linebacker that can be that guy like we talked about on signing day? We'll, we'll see. Um, Austin Heater has done a really, really nice job of being that guy in terms of leadership and consistency through spring. Being able to make the dynamic plays and doing having the production to go with it, that remains to be seen. Um, Harvey Longy has not been in spring, but 
he probably has the ability to cover the field and do all that, adding the consistency. So you kind of, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then if you go to the buck linebacker, Manoa, Pakula, Jeremiah, um, those two guys, almost the same scenario as the Mike linebacker. The one inside backer that's emerging this spring that's been really, really a pleasant surprise is Philip Amone. Mm. He, he can play. Um, and that's been really fun to see. Bronco Mendenhall, white chocolate, bringing the flavor <laughs> on a Friday. Bringing the flavor. Coach, we, we appreciate the time. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's interesting that on April 3rd, discipline and uh, leadership, huge themes of spring ball. BYU needs that against that 2015 schedule. Man, media day right around the corner. Less than a month. And then after that, game number one, not too far Let's away. Let's go. Let's go. Woo! Up next, the athletic director, Tom Holmo. Recapping last year and looking forward to the possibilities for the Cougars in 2015. What are his expectations? BYU Sports Nation brought to you in part by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Studio B. Memorial Day, and we are doing it big. The newest face of BYU basketball is a man by the name of Quincy Lewis. He was hired to replace one of Jerem's good friends, Mark Pope. <laughs> and the show so tight. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's his role going to be with the Cougars? Here's Quincy in Studio B, and now we are welcoming in the newest assistant basketball coach for the Cougars, Quincy Lewis. Quincy, welcome to Studio B. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Wagner Seahawk alum. Are, yes. Were you the most excited person when you found out BYU <laughs> football scheduled Wagner? Hey, the Fighting Seahawks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Can only hope to contain them on the football field. How, uh, yeah, it's fun to see them come. How's Wagner football? You know, for uh, for the level they're at, they're usually uh, pretty solid. You know, pretty solid. But uh, obviously, this will be a little bit higher for them. Okay, you've had an interesting road, and I, and I want to start at Wagner. How in the world did you end up at Wagner? You know, Coach Rose could give you this story pretty good. Uh, we're playing up at uh, College of Southern Idaho, and um, on a fast break, I trip, I run into a wall, I break my neck, and I uh, didn't play for the next you know month, and uh, so my recruiting kind of was shaky after that, and I wound up at Wagner. You broke your neck in a basketball game? In a game. I was laying on the floor. Yeah. What in the world? Wow. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was kind of scary. Holy cow, yeah. Yeah, so got back, uh, you know, didn't uh, didn't play as well as I could, and really my only options were Weber State and Wagner when I got back. So thought it'd be cool to go to New York, and uh, it was a great experience. What was it like playing for Dave Rose and a young younger Dave Rose at Dixie? <laughs> you know, it was interesting because uh, my first year at Dixie, he was an assistant to Ken Wagner, who's now at BYU-Hawaii. And uh, and then my second year was his first year ever of being a head coach in college. And so uh, I don't care what level you're at. If you're it's your first year as a head coach, I mean you are you're swimming a little bit and you're learning and things like that. And uh, but the thing you always knew about coach is uh, he was so competitive and wanting to win, and he's a great guy. You know, players love playing for him. How much did you stay in contact with him over the years up until now that you're one of his assistants at BYU? You know, uh, really through all these years, you know, not, not an every week phone call, but, you know, uh, you know, a couple times a year, you know, keep in touch. And uh, he was always running uh, camps down at Dixie, so I'd go work for, for him and uh, did that for three or four summers. And uh, obviously when I got to Lone Peak, things really changed, you know, because uh, he was recruiting a lot of our players. And so uh, we were in contact a little bit more. But it's, it's always been a good relationship and uh, known he and his wife Cheryl for a long time. How are you as a player? As a player? 
Jeez, that's the best, you know. No, <laughs> no, no. You know what? Uh, hopefully, I was good enough. Um, you know, had a you know good career at Tim Few. Um, uh, we won a couple state championships, and he went to Dixie and uh, started for coach and um, uh, for a couple of years, and then went to Wagner and was all conference player there. So it's it was a good career. Which of your uh, Lone Peak players were you most like? <laughs> Uh, not Nick or TJ. I can tell you that those guys are too good for me. Uh, you know, um, probably, uh, maybe a kid, uh, like a Ryan Rios, uh, who played for me a few years ago. I remember back. Ryan yeah. Rios. Yeah. yeah. Pretty skilled guy. He's a little bit smaller. Uh, got us a state championship when he was there, but, uh, you know, uh, Nick and TJ, those guys are, they're a little different level. Quincy Lewis, the new assistant basketball coach at BYU with us in studio B on BYU sports nation. Um, You've had great success, and that's a huge understatement at, at Lone Peak. I mean, and credit to you and, and what you've been doing over there. But why did you feel like now was the right time to make the jump to BYU? You know, it's a, it's a good question. We've had, uh, my wife and I, we've had opportunities to go different places uh, through our 12 years, and we've, we've just always felt strongly about Lone Peak, and that's uh, where we should be. And, um, you know, we just kind of got to a point now where uh, we had an opportunity here with Coach and uh, – Felt really comfortable with the staff, with uh, you know, with uh, Tim and Terry, and, and now uh, you know Andrew, and uh, really like those guys. Feel comfortable with it, and um, it's the time. Is this something you wanted in the past? Did you say it'd be cool to be at BYU one day? You know, it's interesting because uh, when we'd been in college for eight years, and uh, we went to Lone Peak, and uh, when we went to Lone Peak, we kind of said uh, we're going to be there for two years and see where we're at after two hmm. years, and uh, we were not sure if we want to continue on with coaching or not. And when we went to Lone Peak, it was never with the intent of, hey, we want to work into a college situation. But it's just kind of life takes you takes you on different paths sometimes, and that's uh, kind of where we're at. What's been the most difficult part uh, since the news broke about this this transition? <laughs> you know what? It's just uh, it's you know there's so many things. You know, I mean, I think the first four hours once the once the announcement was made. I was texting, and I couldn't keep up with the texts, you know. <laughs> it was just uh, – and then for the next two days, it seemed like it was about every five, ten minutes I'd have a text from somebody else, you know, hey, congratulations, great, great to hear, all those kind of things. And so, you know, all that stuff is great, you know. But uh, you you get to a point where you really want to get into the, the meat of it all, and it's uh, – you know, right now I'm just going through a lot of uh, different things with, you know, the hiring process still, you know, as far as getting all the papers signed and things like that. So – you know, hopefully by the beginning of next week, we'll really be able to roll. What was it about your players that made it so so many of them went to BYU? You know what? I think it uh, it really started with, with Jackson Emery. And, um, you know, uh, people don't understand with Jackson, uh, his he had some grandparents who had, were season ticket holders for 30 years at the University of Utah. Oh. Yeah, and Jackson was, they were, they liked Utah. And, um but uh, at the time, it was Steve Cleveland was a coach, and uh, Coach Rose was the assistant, and they simply just went after him harder than than Utah did. And so uh, he went to BYU, fell in love with BYU, and that made a real impact, you know, on his brother, uh, you know, I think. And then, um, you know, with Tyler, obviously his dad had been there, but you know, the truth is, is you know, a lot of people thought that um, you know, Tyler, hey, he's just going to go to BYU because that's where Marty played. And, uh, or that's, you know, he's 20 minutes from campus. But I, I will tell you, because I was right there through that whole process, that he was wide open. He was willing to go wherever, you know, wherever. And um, uh, we would play AAU tournaments through the whole, you know, the whole spring and, and summer. 
And there was one guy who was there a lot more than everybody else to watch him, and that was was Coach Rose. And uh, at the end of the day, that's why they got him is because they just they just they worked a little bit harder. Do you take that now uh, as a recruiter? Those principles? Now that you're going to be in that position? You know what? Uh, I think I learned a lot uh, more about recruiting being on the high school side than I did when I was a coach in college for eight years because Mm. you really get to see how people view the recruiters coming in and what works and what doesn't work. And uh, so I I learned a lot more just sitting there watching some guys maybe not do as good a job and other guys would do a great job. When you hear the words Lone Peak Pipeline, what comes to your mind <laughs> you know what it was never uh, it was never intended to be like that um, but it's worked out well I think for everybody you know and, and my only thing with uh, the Lone Peak players that I had was I wanted them to go to a place where uh, I felt like they could trust the head coach and they'd be in a good environment for them and uh, and that they were going to win and uh, BYU checked all the boxes you know you know and I, I think um, that's why they got Tyler and all these guys Describe the uh, recruiting connections that you might have since you were on the high school side of it and played in all these national tournaments. You know, it's been interesting, uh, you know, with uh, being out in the AAU, playing against all these guys, getting to know those coaches a little bit because you're coaching against them. You get to know them a little bit. Uh, We did a lot of -of out-of-state tournaments at Lone Peak, and so we're competing against the best teams in the country you know one of my one of my friends outside of, of Utah is a guy at Whitney Young who coached Okafor we played them a, a few years ago and uh I must say we got them we we beat them Nick hit a shot but uh but um you know you get to know guys like that uh, last summer we were in Dubai and the the schools that were in Dubai were Huntington Prep uh Simeon and Montverde and I mean three of the best schools in the whole country and uh I mean we'd have breakfast every morning with those coaches you know and so I've been fortunate to get to know a lot of those guys through the years. Handling multiple personalities uh, is quite the task as a coach. And uh, during the break, we were talking about one of our favorites, Eric Mika, who is <laughs> a huge personality and uh, very different than uh, a lot of different uh, players that we've come across. How do, you, how do you manage all of those differing personalities and keep them in line for the, you know, the one goal of winning a championship? You know, there's certain, certainly a parameter that is, is there for every guy, but every guy is different. You have to coach every guy different, and um, you have to understand who they are and get to know them from a personal level. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the fun part about it. It's also the challenging part about it. And, you know, a guy like Eric Mika, <laughs> you know what, he's, he's a guy who was a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun, and, and we had fun with, with him, too. The greatest junior jazz player in Utah State history? <laughs> you know, one of my favorite pictures ever uh, that I have of, of, at Lone Peak is uh, Mika having two ball bags over his shoulders along with carrying the water out to our bench. <laughs> you know? He's junior year, he's the water boy. <laughs> yeah, can't the play. greatest water bo- boy ever to <laughs> be a part of a program. He said he was the only, he's the only junior jazz player ever offered a Division I scholarship. <laughs> you know, K- I think KSL actually went in and, and uh, filmed him playing junior jazz basketball. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It, it is. Oh. You know, it was a funny, oh. funny deal with Eric. The fact that it's him is just too perfect, you know, <laughs> that he was in that situation. Quincy, uh, great to have you in Studio B. We look forward to uh, what promises to be a very exciting 2016 season and wish you the best of luck. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. My only concern is what happens to the Lone Peak Pipeline now that Quincy Lewis is gone. Oh, it lives on, I think. He's the guy. He's the legend there. I'm thinking of one in particular. Come to BYU and play for Quincy and Dave Rose. (laughs) There you go. That's how it works. We'll wrap things up next on BYU Sports Nation. 
BYU Sports Nation brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. What a show, man. The head ball coaches. Anytime you have the head ball coaches. We tried to get Steve Spurrier. He wasn't available. But Quincy Lewis, awesome. Tom Homo, big announcement, uh, you know, right here on BYU Sports Nation about a month ago. Great show. Great day. Go and spend the rest of the day hanging out with family and friends. Hopefully you are watching this show or listening to it right yeah, now. And now you're allowed to go and gorge yourself I, with barbecue hot dogs I think and burgers, people have been. potato chips. In fact, tweet us your pictures using the hashtag, hashtag yeah, BYUSN. You're on the East Coast. You're, are, you're underway. Hanging out. Yeah. At, yeah. Are people eating burgers at 10 a.m.? Not, not. See, California, no. Yeah. But if you're, if you're in New York or Philadelphia, Virginia. You're going. You're you know, going. Florida. You, yeah. Things are underway. Yeah. And, you know, tons of burgers and brats will be consumed on September 5th. Countdown to the Cornhuskers. 103. Ooh, I wasn't Woo! sure if we are going to say the 100 or not. 103 days away. What's the, what, you're going to have to tell us, if you're the one to go, what's the fair at Lincoln Memorial Stadium? Yeah, man. I'll be ready. Is there some kind of fancy corn platter of some kind? I don't know. Cornhuskers? I don't I'm know. sure that there's something crazy. Listen. I produced that show. You on that show? If so, you got to you got to show it. That'll be one of your sideline hits. We should do that for every road trip that I go on. Mm. Like the food, I like the, the, I the like must the, eat food good at the stadium. Meeting on the air about countdown <laughs> to kickoff. This is great. Oh, I love it. Seriously, let's do it. Hope you're enjoying your Memorial Day. Time now for your rise and shout. Brought to you by Dexter and Dexter for help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. This one's an easy one. It goes to the American troops past, present, and future who worked so hard to protect our country and allow us to, uh, to do what we do. It means a lot to me. I've said this on the show before, but both my parents were in the Air Force. I was born on an Air Force base. Uh, really appreciate what everyone does with that. Growing up, it was very cool to be involved in the military. As, as a kid, see my parents involved in that. I've always been fascinated with uh, the courage and the strength that it takes to serve our country. Absolutely. And uh, it never gets old. So shout out to all of you. It's been a really fun show. The best of BYU Sports Nation on Memorial Day. Thanks to our guests, Bronco Mendenhall, Dave Rose, Tom Holmo, Quincy Lewis. That's Steve, how we do on a Steve holiday. Spurrier. <laughs> Great. For Jeremiah Spencer, we'll see you tomorrow on Radio Vision.